Hey, it's Chef Carla, and welcome to Cooking is a New Healthy. This is a podcast about how we cook, how we eat, and how we show up in our real lives. I'm interviewing other creatives and entrepreneurs about how they do that in their lives. If you don't know me, I'm a food stylist, photographer, health coach, and mama, and I'm also the founder of Cook and Chop Online Cooking School. You can find me at Chef Carla underscore C and more information in today's show notes. Today's guest, I am chomping at the bit, literally, to interview her because Gwen Dittmar, we met via Instagram, and I believe we actually met through my friend Nicole, who is a mindset coach. She posted about going to one of your workshops, Gwen, and I instantly was drawn to your account And I actually was on Gwen's podcast and we have worked together and I can't wait for her to tell you who she is and how she serves the world. Hi. Hi, Carla. It's so nice to be here with you. Thank you, Gwen. So, um, so you want me to share a little bit about myself? Yeah, tell me who you are, how you serve the world, all because you do so many things. I can't even describe how many things you do because you're such an incredible woman and mother and entrepreneur. Like you have so many things that you share. So yes, I do. I bridge a lot and integrate a lot of the things that I've learned and that I continue to learn and bring that into a lot of the work and the service that I offer to my clients. So I, I typically serve, you know, high achievers, um, type A that are looking to have more understanding of really who they are, why they're here and like how to do it. And oftentimes how to do it in a way that they can also still provide for their, for their family and for themselves. Cause I think there's this myth or this misbelief that if we start really following our heart or answer the call of our soul, that like we're going to turn into like a loose, like flaky, you know, unproductive, um, inefficient type of person. At least I know that was some of my misbeliefs, um, not conscious, but I think that un- unconsciously goes on, especially for high achievers, you know, type A personality, people that have been really successful or that have, um, you know, created success in maybe a lot of areas of their life, but they're still kind of asking those questions of like, who am I really? And what am I doing here? And how can I do that? You know, in a way that feels genuine, that feels in alignment, that feels practical also. That's a lot of what I like to bring in. So I do like a hybrid of coaching, energy healing, Um, I would say guiding work, mentoring of, um, you know, your emotional healing, your spiritual evolution, your mindset and clarity and consciousness, also like your, your energetic awakening. So not just your spiritual connection to something greater than you, but also like you, you, you yourself as an energetic being, as a being that is vibrating and that, that has access to multidimensional um, realities and truths and realms and, and doing that all through practical action. So one of the things that I do is I offer a group coaching. So we just started a few, we just started last week. I run those usually three or four times a year. I'm probably going to be, um, shifting that a little bit over the next year, but, um, and then I also do private coaching. I also offer 
moon circles every month that includes breathwork, astrological insights, the stages of being a woman, um, the stages of menstrual cycle, because I do feel like that is something that is really missing, especially for high achieving women. They're missing that connection of their physical body and their energetic body and their, their menstrual, their menstrual cycle. And then how we can start to tap into the rhythm of the moon, rhythm of our, our cycle, because what I've found through a lot of coaching and, and my own coaching that I went through and, and training is that a lot of coaching and even healing work is based on like daily repetition and daily reprieve and daily action. And while I agree that that is really helpful for shifting your mindset, emotional healing, you know, spiritual evolution, energetic awakening, like practical human success, um, is that that model of daily, um, of daily reprieve and like doing the same thing every day and pushing yourself to do that is that works really well for a, a dominating masculine energy, whether somebody is in, you know, a masculine body or they associate more with masculine energy, but that's really not ideal for a dominating feminine energy. So if you're born into a female body or you really identify as a female that doesn't really serve because men move through a hormonal cycle every day, every 24 hours, whereas women move through a hormonal cycle every 28 days. So when women, what I noticed in my coaching was that, you know, women and men, but, you know, women specifically push themselves to be the same person, to show up the same way, to have the same amount of energy, to eat the same things, right? Like we're going to dive into eating every, you know, every single single day. And that is not really effective. What it does is it sets women up for failure and then for feeling bad about themselves. And then like, you know, that just spins into this whole cycle of, of, um, you know, self self like reprimanding and self-loathing and then like self like motivation, like, Oh, I got to get out of it. And it just sat all that stuff that I just talked about sucks away so much energy from you being able to be your unique being, your unique design and really show up for your life in that way. So I I do love bridging that into a lot of the work that I do. And men are waking up to that also. They're waking up to the lunar cycles. So I have, you know, a, a handful of male clients that I work with. Some men that come to the moon circles that are open to men, which is on the full moon because it does have more of a masculine energy. And I really wanted to start to open that up so they could start to learn about these rhythms versus being being so um, stuck on like having to be the same every single day. I, I wanted men to wake up to, you know, this powerful energy that is available to all of us and especially as women, but that, you know, we, we have an opportunity to, to be our own unique self. And I think a lot of the work that I do brings in things like Enneagram, things like human design, things like um, different types of energy work, you know, like Reiki and like elements and directions and, um, uh, you know, I would also like breath work 
And because when we when we pull out all of the things that we've been conditioned to be or that we've been programmed to be or we thought we had to be in order to be successful or to be happy, that's usually what's causing most people suffering. You know, it's same with food, right? When most people are forcing them to be a certain way with food, that creates suffering. And then that creates even more heaviness and more toxic, um, like a... Um, it doesn't allow people to tap into like all of the energy that is available to them. So when we bridge all that stuff in and we start to like decondition, deprogram, remove all the things out of the way that don't allow you to be your unique self, your unique design, then you get to actually rise into your unique design and the truth of who you are. So it's like intuitive eating and like learning how to be your own healer and learning how to emotionally support yourself and how to like shift your beliefs and your mindset, um, you know, and like how to show up in your life in a way that really works for you. So that's like some of the stuff that I do. I also, um, you know, I do workshops, I do speaking events. I, um, have a new human design embodiment, like group coaching that's going to be coming out because again, I feel like that's, human design is wonderful. It's, it's so rich. It's filled with so much information, but I think there's like a, um, a misunderstanding about it because a lot of times people read human design and, and they're like, I don't know what this chart means. This looks too confusing. I'm overwhelmed. I'm not, I, I'm just going to put it over there and look at it some other time and then never look at it again. And then also too, sometimes when people do start to read information about it, there's there's so much general information out there about human design. I think it can sometimes limit people or it can trigger people into thinking, I don't like this about myself. I wish I was a different type. I don't really... <laughs> I don't want to be this way. And so this new, you know, group coaching that we're starting next week has a lot of the deconditioning support, a lot of the deprogramming support so that you can actually learn to like accept and celebrate and love the uniqueness of who you are and what you're here to do. And then learning about in the group setting about other people, right. And like their unique way of being here so that we can all start to be here together based on who we really are versus all of these antiquated outdated system of that I think lend to oppression and suppression and suffering and like unhappiness and um, you know, scarcity and lack and fear. So I'm super excited about that. And then, you know, I also offer a breathwork course. Like there's a lot of different things. So, um, yeah, I mean, I love all of it. And I, I think that was one of my things that I learned through my human design was I was always taught like, you know, choose one thing and stick with it. And, you know, learning about human design has, and, and even later in life when I started taking like, you know, marketing courses or like how to amplify myself or my brand or like really my business, you know, even that taught me like, oh, you have to pick a niche and you have to be this and you have to be that. And you have to market this way. And I realized why none of that stuff ever worked for me is because it really didn't allow me to take in my unique design. So I think that's like another mission that I feel more recently that I want to keep opening and expanding into is really finding ways to support people so that they can do what they want to do and what they're here to do in a way that feels good for them. 
I love it. Gwen, I just adore you. I'm going to talk about food for a second. Yes. Because I find it fascinating. What was your last meal? Well, right before we started, (laughs) I was eating um, sautéed onion, sautéed zucchini, and a little bit of leftover um, wild rice and um, egg white. And I cook it, I cooked it in um, ghee um, and probably a little bit of salt and pepper. I think I put, yeah, I put on it and I just like saute it, bring it to like a warm, you know, warm temperature. Yeah. I love that. I love that. What is a typical, and of course we're in a pandemic and all these other things are going on in the world. What is a typical day in food look like for you? Because I find this fascinating because everyone has a different answer. Um, I would say, I know ideally for me, it's better for me to, well, I mean, it's interesting. There's, there's different philosophies, right? So I think according to, let's say more like physiology and like Western medicine and, you know, naturopaths that I've worked with nutritionists, my body would do better with, you know, like a smaller, a bunch of smaller meals throughout the day. Um, but what I've noticed is that I prefer, especially before I'm going to do energy work with, with clients, I don't really like to eat or at least eat a lot because I I feel like it kind of, um, clouds me. It like brings me a lot more grounded into the human. So I'm not, Um, sensing into as much, you know, um, clairaudience and clairsentience and clair, um, sometimes clairvoyance. So I, I, it depends on the day really. And right now, like you said, in a pandemic, I'm, you know, I'm a single mom. So I'm in the midst of having two little ones on zoom and being by myself with it and, you know, needing to find blocks of time where they're taken care of and I can actually do work. So I mean, right now it's just kind of up in the air, (laughs) but I would say, say, you know, in an ideal world, you know, I would have probably some support for like a few days a week. They, they are with their dads a couple days a week. And so I would say like on the days that I, that they're with their dads, um, I tend to, I tend to eat, I think intuitively, you know, again, it's interesting, like some of the doctors like have told me certain information, but I just find intuitively I do better when I do some, when I do intermittent fasting. So I usually, you know, dinner is like the last thing I eat. We usually eat dinner, you know, anywhere between like five and six 30. And then I do, I do well when I don't eat until like about 10 or 11 o'clock and I'll have something that's like I shared, like something that tastes a little bit like it could be breakfast, but it also tastes like it could be lunch. Um, and, and, and I, I love that. So I'll do, you know, like bone broth in the morning for a phase. I was doing some celery juice to see if that would help my stomach. Um, the bone broth, I usually drink tea every once in a while I'll have, um, you know, on the weekends, I'll allow myself to have like a decaf Americano with like almond milk as like a special little treat. Um, and then, yeah, I'll usually eat a meal around 10 or 11 and then I'm pretty satiated until, you know, like late afternoon, maybe I'll have another meal like that around 
two, you know, like two or three, and then maybe just like something small, like around like five, you know, something very small, like apples and peanut butter or, but when I eat, when I'm just intuitive and I'm by myself and I'm not with my kids who are on more of a regular, typical, like breakfast, morning snack, lunch, afternoon snack, dinner, (laughs) I, I don't, I eat differently when I'm when I'm on my own than when I'm with them. That's so fascinating. I can really identify with eating differently when my kids are around or when my kids are in school or when my kids are, you know, X, Y, and Z. I really identify with that. Yeah. It's interesting. It's like, so I think recently what I've been doing is, even though I know they do really well having that, that schedule, I have learned how to pull back from eating with them at that same time, or, you know, like not eating breakfast with them, but then waiting until they have that 10 o'clock snack time and eating my first meal around that time. But I'm also really, I, I've always been a fairly clean eater. I've, I have had a lot of stuff with my stomach. Um, right now I finally figured out what has been going on and I do have leaky gut. I didn't realize there were different types of leaky gut. So I have like a leaky gut, I think where there's like, there's like a, there's like a leak between the cells and like in the center of the cell, but luckily it's not to the point where it's like going into the bloodstream. Um, So, but that was giving me some certain symptoms and I was noticing and I noticed something didn't feel right, but I usually do eat fairly clean, like no gluten, no dairy. My daughter is gluten and dairy free. My son, I think has some sensitivities. I've also found out I have that MFTR. um, What is that? Yeah. Yeah. MFT, yeah, the MFTR, the HR, I think MFTR. So it doesn't, it doesn't allow you to metabolize as easily, I think. Um, And so when my, when we found out my daughter had all that stuff, um, the doctor said most likely it's genetic. So if her biological dad doesn't have any issues, then it probably, (laughs) it probably comes from you. And when he started asking some more questions and I was sharing about, you know, some of my stuff, like I'm really sensitive to gluten, really sensitive to dairy, really sensitive to nightshades, really sensitive to beets or to meat, um, like beef and um, what's the other stuff? Nightshades, like beans. I was listing everything out and his eyes were like popping out of his head. He said, I think I think you probably have that too. You should go get tested. Um, And then he asked about my parents and my mom had a lot of stomach and gut issues her whole life. So um, yeah, I'm grateful for medicine. I'm grateful for like naturopaths and and doctors that can help us figure these things out. And also though, like following, following intuition. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know if that answers your question. (laughs) totally does. It totally does. And it gave me a glimpse into your world, which I totally appreciate you sharing. I'm going to ask you, and I'm going to leave this open-ended to you, either three ways you show up in the world or three ways that you ask clients to show up in the world, or we can literally talk about anything because 
I find you so incredibly fascinating. And I just, I love connecting with you, Gwen. So I'm open to whoever you want to direct this podcast. Well, I mean, I would definitely, when you sent the questions ahead of time and I was sitting with them, I wrote down some notes. And so, you know, they're like some actionable tips for those that are listening to how to show up. I would say, I mean, I really do value, I think through my master's in spiritual psychology program that I did back in 2005. I mean, that I say, I would say is a, a, a big core of who I am and how I show up in the world. And then, you know, put in like soul centered coaching certification and Reiki and breath work and other energy healings. And I'm also sober 15 years. So that like plays a huge part. I've learned so much through that spiritual program and other other spiritual learnings. I was, I was really active Buddhist for a very long time. Um, I would say, you know, to me, what I think I see when a lot of new people come is that, um, like we forget that there's multiple levels of consciousness, right? So there's like our mind that, that thinks a certain way and that creates an emotional experience and that that's an emotional level of consciousness. And then that emotional level of consciousness directs the actions that we take, right? And then those actions that we take direct um, the results that we experience in our lives. And then like, you know, kind of around that whole human level of consciousness is like an energetic and a spiritual level of consciousness. So I would say, you know, whenever I start working with somebody new, I encourage them to look at themselves every day through the lens of each level of consciousness and like engage in just one simple thing that you can do each day that starts to bridge that all of those levels of consciousness. Because what happens is if somebody is just changing their food and they're just eating differently or, and maybe let's say exercising, what they're doing is wonderful. They're engaging their physical level of consciousness, right? By like shifting the way they eat and, um, exercising, moving their body, like sweating, releasing any of the toxins, et cetera, you know, connecting with themselves and their body on a whole different level through quote unquote exercise. But also, you know, if you forget about the emotional and the mental level of consciousness that was associated with the old patterns of food and exercise, most people are just going to eventually kind of regress back or they're going to relapse back to where they were. Humans really do well when they move that all of those levels of consciousness at the same time. So they move, you know, their physical level of consciousness. And then as some of the material starts to bubble up to the surface of like emotional stuff related to the old way that they used to eat or mental stuff related to the old way that they used to eat, that also needs to be engaged in, right? And like, let's say either healed or released or shifted. And then, you know, also actively calling in a spiritual level of consciousness of, you know, well, what is, what is around me? You know, what, what is like, what is this thing that allows me to breathe and that allows the trees to breathe and, you know, allows our earth to breathe, right? And allows our entire universe around us to to breathe around us. Like I don't I don't make that happen. I don't engage in that. I don't tell my blood to like every single second do this, do this, do this. I don't tell the trees to do that. So to me there's a universal intelligence. I don't, you know, people call it different things, whether it's source or spirit or god or goddesses or ocean or universe. 
But I really encourage people to start engaging that in that level of consciousness and, and learning to create a relationship with it just as you might, as much as you would with your physical home and with your physical body and with your emotional heart and with your mental mind. And then last is to really start learning how to engage, you know, on an energetic level of, yes, I have a connection to something greater than me, but like, but what is this life force that's moving through me? And what does it actually want to do through me that maybe I'm getting in the way, right? So I feel like that is where um, that is where human design and I would say some of the energy healing and like the breath work comes into play is in that energetic level of consciousness, really learning who you really are and how to engage in that on a daily basis in a way that not only serves you, but also serves others. So true. And this is what we've worked on together too. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the energetic. Yes. Yes. And the breath work and all of those pieces. Yep. And you can, and, and, you know, often too, like, you know, on my podcast, like that you were on is, is that, the human self and the human experience allows us. And when you can move into right, the, what you're feeling like, okay, this is an obstacle I'm having in my life right now. And, you know, and like guiding individuals to like, okay, well, where is that showing up in your body? So even if it's something outside of us, like politics or social and civil and racial unrest or finances or a pandemic, you know, like, okay, where, where am I feeling that in my body when I close my eyes and I really connect into myself instead of like continuing to project it out? It doesn't mean that we're not going to take action outward because that's equally important. It's just, you want to make sure that the energy, that the action that you're taking is riding on clean and clear energy, because if it's riding on upset or unconscious material, then you're just projecting the suffering and the chaos inside of yourself out into the world. And that's, we don't need any more of that, right? Like one of my spiritual teachers always used to say, you know, every time one person heals one issue, the whole of humanity moves forward. So it really does matter what we do. It, it like inside of ourselves, the healing work that we do. And even though it seems selfish, it's like, if you take that moment to go inside and, and clear and clean and heal and, and, and shift, then the action that you take, it may be the same action. It just is riding on different energy so that it's not riding on that, that um, un, unjust or unfair or, um, you know, that other energy. And, and what I would also share is that, you know, where are you feeling it in your body? And then like, what, what are the sensations that you're having? And then as you're having those sensations, like, when do you remember feeling that way in your life? And, you know, what were, what was happening at that time in your life? And like, what were some of the beliefs, right. That started to solidify, whether it was things coming from people outside of you, or it was like the experience you were having and you were trying to figure out how to cope with it. 
And then when you can recognize and learn how to talk to these different parts of yourself, right, that's bringing in the mental level of consciousness of like beliefs and like shifting them into beliefs that are going to serve you now as a 40 year old woman versus like operating based on an unconscious energy of what happened when you were four. And then, and then shifting and healing, you know, so it's not just shifting the mindset. It's also recognizing that little four-year-old is still a part of you. It's still inside of you. It's not like you can just banish that away, but, but you can shift the relationship, right? You can't shift what happened to her, but if she has your love now and you can start to, um, bridge that gap, right? That like just starts to bridge some of these things that have been decon, you know, um, conditioned or separated. It's like we start to bring wholeness. We start to bring connectedness into ourselves. And then having that experience starts to open to like this spiritual awakening of like, oh my God, like if that's really the truth of who I am, like what else is not true and, and can be true? And then that starts to, I think, you know, when you bring in like the energy of breath or you bring in the energy of life force, that starts to shift where maybe all that energy was getting locked and stuck and stagnant inside and really starting to channel your own life force in a completely different way. Um, you know, and I think human design also can also comes into that too, because that's where a lot of those beliefs got solidified when we were young. That's where a lot of that started to happen of, you know, I don't know about you, but I know for myself, like I'm a manifester. And, um, so I have, you know, an energy that's like very independent. That's very, you know, I can do things myself. And, um, you know, and I'm not one to really be controlled. Like I really just need to be able to like channel what comes through me and start it and then, and like have help and then move on. And, you know, that was something that now I look back on it as a child and I could see how that was there inside of me. And I would say my mom was a little bit more, um, under just intuitively understanding of that. But, um, I think it was hard for, you know, my dad, uh, because I was just pretty much doing my own thing. <laughs> so, um, you know, and there were just so many beliefs that got solidified. And when I started to go into my own business, I really started to look at some of those, like with marketing and like enrolling. And, you know, I was, I was taught, like, you don't invite people to things. You don't ask them to sign up. You, you know, like you just hold back and you wait and you're quiet and like, you don't make people uncomfortable. And part of being a manifester is like, making people uncomfortable, hopefully in a wonderful way, you know, manifestors can be in a shadow energy of that where they make people feel uncomfortable, you know, cause it's too pushy or it's too intense. But if, if you learn how to channel it through your different um, centers in a way that's genuine and authentic, it is going to probably polarize and push some people away, but it's going to really bring other people in. And so I think that was something huge with human design that I learned about myself was like, oh, like, you know, if some people are not interested in it, that's actually a, a good sign, right? It means like that they they will go to a place that feels good and like other people that makes more space for other people to come in that it does resonate with. But I never, you know, when I was in a lot of these different courses or like starting my business, like I saw that thing of like people going away as like, 
oh, maybe I'm not, you know, doing it right, or maybe I'm doing it wrong. Um, so like the human design has just been so healing for me to, to shift that, to change, to, to shift that and to allow myself to be in my design. And then when I support other people, like I have, um, a friend who's a manifesting generator (laughs) and she was so sad when she realized that she was manifesting generator. She's like, I want to be a manifester. Like, I just want to have ideas and, and, you know, and do like be more in the energy of where you are. And, and when we were able to start to like decondition some of the beliefs that she had around it and really shift into what she really is here to do and how she, how she can help, like how she can really serve. Um, it like changes the whole game. It does. It really does. It's incredible, Glenn. It's incredible to listen to you go like describe and go through the process because as my own human design, like I'm looking at it and I will say that I was one of the people that was like totally terrified and like, mm-hmm. like, I do not want to be this. I am not this. I am something else. Yes. Um, I think that it just helps to have someone help you go through it versus trying to navigate this whole thing. Like the, I know that they have like a 50 page booklet or whatever, but like trying to go through that 50 page booklet versus having someone help you and guide you through it is, is just so incredibly comforting. Yes. And I mean, I would say that was one of the things that I, you know, luckily, and and the same showed up for me with breath work, like breath work was really, it was a big experience. It was very visceral. It was very tangible. It was, you know, emotional. And had I not had a lot of the, you know, the training that I had had, like in my master's in spiritual psychology and like coaching and all that stuff, I would have really been, you know, either uncomfortable or frightened. <laughs> and and I was, but I was re- I was able to support myself through it because I had all of these other tools of like of just um, holding space for self and for others. And and I would say the same thing kind of came up for me with human design. I noticed that there was so much that was coming up for me around like, oh my God, if, if this is who I really am, then I don't know who I am. And how, I don't know, how do I show up with some of these terms and these phrases that they're using in human design? Like, what does that really mean? Like, what does that look like on a daily basis? What does that look like, you know, as a parent, you know, like as a manifester and being a parent, what does that look like as a business owner, you know, and somebody who's um, serving others? What does that, I mean, it just was, it was, it was because it's a completely different way of looking at things. I think certain things give people peace and then other things are like a validation of, Oh, I, I used to think that there was something wrong with me, but now I'm realizing it, it was always okay. And so I, how can I actually amplify that and attune to it even more and just be even more in my own resonance. And then I think there's other things like you shared <laughs> would come up of like, Oh, I don't want to be like that. That doesn't feel good to me, but the more that you can like unpack it. So for me, I had a, you know, I had a human design reading and 
I just had so many questions afterwards, like mostly of just how does this really apply? And so I was able to kind of take myself through that process of the questions I was asking myself. And then, you know, kind of came up with this idea of I would really love to be able to hold that space for others because in my rise, everybody does get like human design. And I bring somebody that does human design into, you know, the group and somebody who does Enneagram, somebody who does Gene Keys. But there's usually a lot of questions after it, even though it's like a pretty thorough overview of what the human design is. I just noticed there's a lot of integration and application through the rest of the three months of the group. Um, and that's what kind of sparked me like, hey, I think I think, you know, these these readings are wonderful, but like really there's more context of how to actually live your design versus just know your design. Ooh, that's important. I think that one's a really important phrase, like how to live the design. Because it's it's totally one thing to have a reading or to know what it is or to know that X, Y, and Z is like, okay, in your chart, if you may think it's negative. We talked about this before the podcast started. Um, but I think that that's really important. That space is so incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, it's similar to me to like breath work, you know, it's like, yes, you can, you can do the breath work on your own. You can do the guided meditations. However, there's a lot, uh, there's a lot more information like behind it that I do feel is helpful to, to, to get a better understanding and to like, even, you know, go through a training to have an idea of what's actually happening. It's the same as, it's also the same as food. Like I could do a particular whole 30 or a keto or whatever, you know, like a leaky gut or an autoimmune, but it's really, you learn a lot about it and a lot about yourself as you, when you actually do it and you apply it in your life, you integrate it, you live it versus knowing the information. Yeah. Yeah. It's so mind blowing. I'm so grateful for you, Gwen. I'm grateful for you. It's, you know, it's about embodiment. Like I remember one of, again, another one of my teachers telling me, you know, there's, there's a difference between knowledge and wisdom. You know, knowledge is like knowing, knowing information and having information and wisdom is having embodied and applied it to your life. So it's a, it's a part of you. And I feel like that applies to anything, whether it you know, the food that you eat or the exercise or the soulful work, you know, the deep discovery, living from your design, all of it. And people can feel that too. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you can't take anybody farther than you've been willing to go yourself. So I feel like that's why the learning always is is unfolding, you know, for those that want to guide and coach and, and hold space for others. Goodness. Thank you so much, Thank Gwen. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm so grateful. How can and we, we've learned some ways, but how can we work with you? How can we support you? Where can we find you on social? I'll put all those links in the show notes. <laughs> so my, um, my website is a great place. It's Gwen Dittmar, G-W-E-N-D-I-T-T-M-A-R.com. My Instagram also has a link in the bio that you can click on. And I, I always update it with my most current 
current um, upcoming events, any groups that I'm starting or, or launching into. I also have free resources on my website and on my Instagram. I also have a podcast that's called The Beautiful Grit, and you can find that on any of the main podcast platforms. So yeah, I would love to hear from and connect with anyone that listens and just feels either a calling or a resonation. It's, it's my honor. Thank you, Gwen. And for anyone listening, please rate, review, subscribe to this podcast. If it resonated with you, share it on your Instagram or in your stories. Again, you can find me at Chef Carla underscore C. My website is carlacontreras.com and there is more information in today's show notes. And I would love, love, love to continue the conversation because this was such a beautiful experience to talk to Gwen. I'm sending all of you love. Bye.